up before dawn, milk cows work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. So, uh, you know, um, I didn't even know where to start today because uh, there's so many different little little news stories. Not one big one, but we have a lot of little potpourri, potpourri of news to keep our eye on because, you know, the... Uh, the globalists are out to get us, and so are the uh, Biden administration, one and the same. I had a conversation with a friend yesterday, and and uh, I was talking about the idea of living in another country. And just just spitballing, you know, it wasn't uh, anything serious. or, But she was like, well, you know, um, aren't those socialist countries? You know, wherever uh, we were talking about, right? And I said, yeah, but is it any worse than Justin Trudeau stepping all over uh, the Ottawa truckers' faces with their horses? Or is it any worse than the J6 incarceration for simply protesting election fraud? I mean, is it any worse than that? Is it any worse than the big tech colluding with government to censor us and put us out of business? There are people that invested in YouTube channels and Twitter uh, building their Twitter and paying good money. I mean, I'm talking about tens of thousands of dollars in search engine optimization, SEO work, building out their website, trying to promote their brand, trying to make it in the media market, which is not a great living. You know, it's not, it's not, you're not going to get rich quick in the media business. Trust me on that one. But we don't do it for the money. I, I'm not, I'm certainly not doing it for the money. You know, the thing is, is that I'm doing it because I am fighting for this country. And if you want to make a donation over at MAGAPAC.org, please do. Uh, because what we're doing here every each and every day is supporting America First policies to make America great again. What is that? And we know what it is. It's it's uh, it starts with uh, it starts with freedom of speech. It starts with our 
Second Amendment. I was watching Tucker Carlson last night, and he was talking about Gavin Newsom, right? You know, what a plastic dude that is. And although Biden, you know, got the Easter egg roll thing wrong, where he said, I'm going to have five or six more Easter rolls, he doesn't even know how many years he wants to be in office. But he certainly was telling Al Roker that he is going to run again, which is okay, fine. I mean, he's got to be the worst candidate on the planet. And there's Hunter Biden rolling around, pushing him, ushering him off stage because he's about to make a fool out of himself. And Kareem Jean-Pierre is asked the question, why won't uh, Biden take any questions from the media? Oh, he takes shouted questions. What are shouted questions? You could take them or leave them. You know, he's asked these shouted questions and he doesn't have to answer them if he doesn't want them. It's the perfect situation. I only answer the questions I like. So why won't he? He's only taken something like 23 press conferences since he's been in office. You juxtapose that with Donald Trump, who's been completely open and transparent. And yet still the mainstream media hated Trump and loves this guy. This guy that treats the the uh, press like puppets. I mean, I remember under the Obama regime, that terrorist regime, where they um, spied on journalists. Uh, um, Ro- Rosen, uh, journal, uh, he was a Fox News reporter, Rosen, and um, some others, uh, Associated Press, they were spying on them. The media just keeps on coming back saying, thank you, sir, may I have another? Like it's Animal House relived where he's taking a swat on the butt. Like, just beat me. Don't give me what I want. Don't give me a real person in the Oval Office that answers real questions, no matter how difficult the question, no matter how rude the question. Remember James, um, James, um, uh, (laughs) Trying to draw, I've drawn a blank on the James guy, but the guy from CNN. And um, that guy was as rude as could possibly be. You, you compare him to uh, Peter Ducey and how polite Peter Ducey is, even though he might ask questions that the other reporters aren't asking. He's polite to Jean-Pierre, despite Jean-Pierre lying through her teeth all of the time. And even Jen Psaki, I just saw an interview with Jen Psaki. She was interviewing Barry White, uh, Barry Weiss, uh, the guy from the Mueller. He was the guy that was spearheading the whole Mueller witch hunt against Trump over the Russian hoax, no less. This guy's got an apartment like that would make your head spin. It's beautiful. Guy's richer than Midas. And he's this libtard that sits there in this beautiful place, gets to be a pundit in D.C., and he just is basically a political fixer. And I mean, this town is run so crooked, it's not even funny. And this is why it's just almost an impossible task. And what Trump was able to do, you know, basically annihilating ISIS and taking back the oil pipelines from Iraq uh, that were uh, being guarded by ISIS and, and the oil was being run into Europe and into Africa... And politicians were getting on, getting on that gravy train. Gravy, if it's gravy, is oil. And getting on that gravy train and basically 
rigging the whole system using taxpayer-funded dollars to act like patriots to say that we're going after big bad Russia who's competing for their oil. And that's why they hated Russia in Syria. That's why they blamed Russia for the chemical weapons attack that kept our soldiers in Syria where they were needed because the whole apparatus was set up to protect the oil pipeline in Syria with our soldiers and to use ISIS as a mercenary group to protect the oil pipelines in Iraq and with the Muslim Brotherhood through Egypt. That's why they wanted Morsi to be the leader of Egypt. They, they overthrew Mubarak. Remember that? In Egypt, Obama came to town, held his first speech in Cairo, apologized for America, and then uh, threw out and basically created a coup against Mubarak, who was running a stable Egypt. And instead, they put Morsi in, who was connected with the Muslim Brotherhood, who was basically going to run the pipeline out of Iraq into Africa. And that didn't go well because Gaddafi wasn't cooperating. Maybe he wasn't getting a good enough cut. So then they murdered Gaddafi, and it was the French military, along with the American military, uh, money, money and NATO allies, that basically overthrew Gaddafi, even after he cooperated with the nuclear weapons treaty, he, uh, nuclear weapons proliferation. He cooperated. And then Hillary came in and said... We came, we saw, he died, and laughed. Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State. So then they set up a mission in Benghazi. We know how that went, right? 13 hours of hell. And they were basically running all of Gaddafi's assets, taking all the booty from Libya. You don't need it there because we're running a pipeline into Africa. And we're going to exchange it for gold. And we're going to exchange that for cobalt. And we're going to get into climate. And we're going to push slave labor to China and India. And we're going to go ahead and make a consumer out of all the white-collar, over-educated, latte-drinking, overpaid uh, liberal arts majors in the West. And this is all what this is all about. This is this whole globalism, new world order. But it's people like me and people like Scott Adams Show and people like Red State Talk Radio and 1180WFYL.com over in Philadelphia, one of our syndicated partners. And guess what? We're pushing back. And what we're doing is we're shining a light on this. We don't have enough listeners, though. I mean, we have a lot of listeners, but there aren't enough. There are not enough Tucker Carlson's in the world. Because he's got a bigger audience than we do. And he says a lot of the things we say. Although I don't think he goes far enough. I think he can go edgier. But then, you know, Paul Ryan's running the show over at Fox News. So that's a pretty hard, um, you know, pill to swallow. If you lose, he's got a lot to lose. But then again, he came from wealth. I think it was the Swanson family that he... His uh, his parent, his parent, divorced parents married into, or something like that, and um, so I mean, he he was definitely well off his whole entire life, but still, that's what's going on. If you pay attention to that 
whole thing I just described about how they were using ISIS as mercenary groups and running oil from basically an ungoverned Iraq, thanks to the Bushes, by the way, using a lie called the weapons of mass destruction to take over the oil and set up a whole operation that John McCain and Lindsey Graham benefited from. You know why I know? Because they were up there collecting awards and working out deals in Ukraine, down in, La- in Latvia, Lithuania, down through Cyprus and Montenegro, and basically working the toll collectors. They were basically cooperating and coordinating this effort to make sure the oil reached the right places. And this is what it was all about. This is what it was all about right there. And they used ISIS as a mercenary group. And how did that go for 9-11? I mean, we, we had the Mujahideen in Afghanistan to, uh, to thwart the Russians in Afghanistan. The Mujahideen became al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda set up a base in Afghanistan, worked with the Taliban, and voila, you had 9-11, right? And all of a sudden, we're funding and fueling ISIS. And we act like we can't beat them. They're cutting off the heads of our journalists. And we act like we can't beat them. And Trump comes along, and in four weeks, annihilates ISIS and says, we're going to keep our military in the region, but we're going to pull them out of Syria because our beef is not with Russia. Our beef, just simply because they're competing for our illegal oil that we're running out of Iraq into, into Europe which is making all the NATO allies happy, right? I mean, think about this logically for just one second. <clears throat> and, you know, I mean, I've told this story a thousand times, but, you know, we did release al-Baghdadi from Camp Buka. We had him in a detention center. He sets up a shop in Raqqa, Syria. You know, I mean, it was systematic. It was planned. I don't know why people don't talk about that corruption enough. There's no way Lindsey Graham should be a senator right now. He should be in jail for aiding and abetting the enemy that was cutting off the heads of our journalists. And he sits there and cries over Jamal Khashoggi simply because Jamal Khashoggi was on the side that he supported his interests because Jamal Khashoggi was the secretary of Bin Talal, a good friend of Obama's that was basically against the Solomon family in Saudi Arabia. And I can go on and on with this, Jack. I mean, the, the fact is, is that this level of corruption is just part and parcel because Bill Gates got involved with Bin Talal and Jamal Khashoggi. You know what I know? I got it on video. They're in board meetings, meeting up, colluding, making deals on video. And... Jamal Khashoggi got killed for a reason, and Lindsey Graham never got over it. Still crying to this day over that death. That hurt our business. And that's where it came and went. But there was a lot of stuff going on there. And, you know, if, if we wanted to spend an hour just talking about this one subject, but no, what we're doing is using this subject as a precursor to the next subject. You know, and the next subject is the Klaus Schwab Davos corporate marriage between leaders like Justin Trudeau and Jacinda Dern and uh, and and Joe Biden and and uh, Ruta 
um, Ruta out of the Norway and um, and uh, the NATO uh, leaders and the Lagarde, Lagarde the uh, head of the Central Bank of Europe, who used to be the head of uh, IMF, controlling the money flow, the World Bank, the WHO, and their collusion with China. And yes, they are colluding, and, and the globalists are friends with China. That's why this whole thing about Russia and China getting together and forging bricks is kind of an interesting one. And what it's probably going to break down to being, if you think about it, is this new world order is going to be conducive to where BRICS is going to be the um, slave labor component and G7 is going to be the consumption component. And I believe that is the new world order. And Trump was going to disrupt that because Trump was inviting Russia into G7 to make it G8. And that would have prevented the invasion of Ukraine. That would have created peace. The thing that they're whining and complaining about, all the deaths in Ukraine, the destruction, the big bad Russia, the polarization. Well, look, Germany's still buying oil from uh, from Russia. Uh, Russia's still selling more oil than ever before. Their GDP now is bigger than than uh, Germany's for the first time ever, thanks to the, what, sanctions and, and the war? Nothing is slowing Russia down. So what is the play here? There is a bigger play involved here. How in the world can Russia be doing better than ever? And yet the Western news, because they banned all the Russian news, they banned all media that says one nice thing about Russia. And they have nothing but a narrative that's controlled by the State Department, the CIA, and our government. It's state-run media. And they're controlling the entire narrative. But you cannot tell me that there's, you know, that you're hurting Russia when their GDP is higher than Germany's. And they're selling more oil than ever. They have better partnerships than they ever dreamed of. And they're no longer threatened by the sanctions because the Americans, uh, the Bidens, abused the sanctions. I remember when Rex Tillerson said in his confirmation hearing, he said sanctions can hurt you as much as they can help you. You got If you're going to do sanctions, you got to do sanctions right. Well, we have a bunch of morons in the State Department that don't know crap about sanctions. And they backfired on us to the point where people said, you know what? The dollar's become too risky. They're sanctioning us because we're not using the right pronouns for Dylan Mulvaney. They're sanctioning us because we don't have enough gays and trans in our military because we're not about that. They're sanctioning us because we're not censoring churches. They're sanctioning us because we are not buying into the whole carbon footprint. They're sanctioning us because we're buying Russian oil that competes with their oil and their oil pipelines in Europe. Never mind the fact that we're not energy independent for a reason because the Bidens get rich off of their electric vehicle battery manufacturing investments 
I mentioned Emperex and Freeport McMoran, and they're they're invested in mining in Congo, and they're invested in Chinese manufacturing, uh, Chinese uh, battery manufacturing through Emperex. I mentioned all that. I got that from a congressman. So I mean, the thing is, is that yeah, of course they're going to subsidize electric vehicles, and they're going to crucify and tax and burden and penalize people that buy combustible engines. They're going to uh, not renew leases for drilling. They're going to shut down pipelines in the West because they want America to be dependent on electric electrical vehicles. Just saw a video yesterday doing research for today's show, and uh, this guy was filling up his electric car with a battery thing. He says, never get an electric car. He says, they suck. It's too difficult to, to fill up. <clears throat> takes too long if you find one if you find a uh, electric pumping station um half the machines aren't even working he said you know and this was like in california i think where it was you know better and we don't have enough there's not enough there's not enough cobalt in the world to supply electric vehicles for the rest of our lives i i just don't see it uh, where where it's a hundred percent hundred percent electric and and uh, again if you look at this chart where they have coal fire plant coal plants in China they've escalated I forget what the benchmark was but the number was four thousand now I don't know what that is four thousand coal mines I I don't know what it was four thousand it could have been four thousand units four thousand million uh, million or four thousand billion you know, four billion or four million. I don't know what the number represented, but I did see the the chart, and it said something like four thousand, and then the next one down was in the, uh, India, and they, they were like at twelve hundred, and then America was at like five hundred, and we were tied with Australia like at five hundred, and uh, so like we are just a fraction of the coal production that China is. So they got a lot of coal. That's a lot of pollution. A lot of coal's dirty. And I doubt that their clean coal is as clean as our coal. You know, and the fracking that we were doing. And the energy independence that would have made this world a better place if America was energy independent, if the dollar was the standard, if our borders were secure, if we had fully funded police departments, and if we had DAs that would lock up these criminals in our streets. All of those things are America First policies that MAGAPAC.org supports and that we support because we and MAGAPAC are really connected. You know, the owners, uh, the founding fa- the founder of MAGAPAC and Bugle Call is Scott Adams. And we funded that and founded that, and we have an excellent board, and it's our donation vehicle so that people can get tax-free donations. And that's how we're doing it, you know, because every publishing company has a nonprofit partner. That's how it's set up in media. And so any donation that goes to Magapac helps us perpetuate and advance our America First policies. That's how it works. And that's what we're doing. And we're holding events and we're doing things 
that are going to make sure that our message gets heard as wide and as good as possible. Because what we're fighting against are rhinos. And someone asked about the rhinos and uh, about all the Republicans that are running for office. And, of course, I said this in the other show, too. And I said, you know, that it's sort of like Amway, the multi-level marketing scheme where people are constantly uh, running and getting their donors to donate to their campaigns. And then they funnel that money to the RNC and the RNC. That's how the RNC builds a nest egg for the main candidate, I guess. But we're also hearing about this new Omar bill. I was watching Maria today um, on Fox Business, and she had this thing called the Omar bill, which is basically where they're trying to prevent politicians from getting donate campaign donations and enriching their, their own families, finding ways. And Ocasio-Cortez did this. Ilhan Omar did this. They made millions overnight. And what they did was they hired their lovers and family members and, you know, and gave them million-dollar salaries to be consultants, you know. And that was the workaround. That was the way to do it. But you got to sort of ban the nepotism, I think, I would think. So, I mean, these are the kind of things that we're dealing with right now. And this all leads up to what we're dealing with. Because it helps answer the question, this globalism that happened, you know, all over the world through black market deals um, is, the, is, is the driving force behind um, the Dylan Mulvaney on a Bud Light can or the Black Lives Matter um, reparations uh, that had never been passed through any Congress. Nobody voted for it. Yet the DAs are carrying out Soros's uh, marching orders. And this is why you get Democrats talking out of both sides of their mouth. I have a clip here I want to want you to hear. This is a um, a woman named Hillary Ronan. I think she's in San Francisco, and she's talking about the. She's a San Francisco libtard, and uh, basically, this is what she had to say. And uh, first, I'm going to read to you what Give she. Give the mission. I'm going to read to you <clears throat> her tweet. <clears throat> Her tweet from just before the 2020 election, okay? So on August 16th, 2020, a couple of months before the November election that was a highway robbery against Trump, she writes this, I want to make it clear that I believe strongly, this is a tweet, okay? I'm reading it to you because you're about to hear something completely different from her own lips. So Hillary Ronan a city council member uh, in San Francisco says this, August 16, 2020. I want to make it clear that I believe strongly in defunding the police and reducing the number of officers on our force. For decades, we have had an imbalance in our city's budget, with hundreds of millions of dollars going to San Francisco Police Department to have them do work they are not qualified to do. Boom. Like they should all be psychiatrists or something, which is ridiculous. No, you know, um, take legal legal drugs off the street. You know, stop making um, drug crimes legal. You know, just to make your um, your crime number statistics go down. Anyway, here's what she had to say. She just basically said, I want to make it clear that I believe strongly in defunding the police and reducing the number of officers 
on our force, the San Francisco Police Department. Let's take a listen. That was 20, August 16th, 2020. On March 15th, 2023, this is what you had to say. We've been begging for more footbeats and for more officers in the Mission District. I've been begging this department to give the mission what it deserves in terms of police presence all year long. And I have been told time and time and time and time again, there are no officers that we can send to mission. It hurts and I feel betrayed by the department. I feel betrayed by the mayor. I feel betrayed by the priorities of this city. It is not this board of supervisors priorities. We want our residents safe. We don't want our residents getting shot, getting assaulted, getting killed because in the mission chief, it's not theft. In the mission, people are getting shot and killed. In the mission, people are getting beat up. In the mission, people are dying. We've been begging. Wow. I mean, when you hear her voice crack like that, you know she means what she's saying, right? Except she doesn't mean at all what she's saying. She's a disgusting human being. So politics are heating up. A lot of people are talking about DeSantis, whether he's going to run or not. And uh, D.C. Drano wrote this. This is about DeSantis. It, it is kind of interesting because we, we know something's up, right? We don't know what the rhinos and the Republicans and the unit party in Washington have in store for us now. It's uh, Every four years, it's a new playbook. They keep always keep you guessing, don't they? They never go to the same play. They use the same playbook, but they dress it up with different characters, and it's it's kind of hard to keep. You know, when you're out working every day, it's kind of hard to keep pace with it, right? Because these people are strategizing on how to keep themselves in power and how to hoard as much cash into their pocket as they can from yours to theirs. And we don't even know that there's a fight going on, a game of tug of war. I I didn't know you were actually reaching in my pocket and pulling money out of it just to enrich you and your family. But that's exactly what they're doing. Anytime money goes into Lindsey Graham's pocket that isn't part of his salary, that's money that's being ripped off out of your pocket. So D.C. Drainer writes this. I thought it was kind of interesting. He says, here's what I don't get about DeSantis. I thought this was interesting. Oh, and by the way, just nothing for nothing, we keep getting hate mail um, at Magapac about us running ads in Florida bashing DeSantis. We are not running commercial ads on TV or any ads whatsoever against DeSantis. Why? We are not allowed by law as a 501c3 to run an ad against a candidate. We are not allowed to take a political side. We are not allowed to endorse a candidate as MAGAPAC officially. We are not allowed to um, run ads of any, uh, any uh, stripe or color uh, related to um, campaigns and candidates and politics. Um, if we were to do that, we would have to be a 501c4. We're a 501c3 nonprofit, which is apolitical. We are allowed to support policy. That's what we are allowed to do. So please, the people that are sending in hate mail, I would love it if you would send me an apology 
and because some of the people have been really nasty. And, you know, I take the time to respond as many as I can. But for the most part, that's just insane. We didn't do that. Um, and again, if you'd like to make a donation, go to org. It's right there for you to do that and, uh, and make a donation and help us um, advance this agenda. Uh, but D.C. Drano writes this. Here's what I don't get about DeSantis. He's hugely popular in Florida and widely seen by the MAGA base as the heir apparent to Trump. He's young. He has $100 million plus dollars in the bank and just got reelected. Just got reelected. So his term ends in 2027, which is almost perfect for 2028, don't you think? And he'd have nearly two full years to run for POTUS in 2028. Why waste all that money, political capital, and goodwill to run and likely lose in 2024? Why would he do that? Is that the RNC and the Republican Party just being dumb? I think so. But they're not that dumb, so they're being dumb for a reason. You know what I'm saying? All right. So Trump is going to hit him so hard in the primaries that a solid 30% plus of MAGA will probably never support DeSantis again, especially since his polls have rocketed after these indictments. Uh, they're talking about Trump's polls and rocketed after the indictments. And DeSantis' polls have gone lower. So Pence made one giant mistake and crossed the base on J6, and now MAGA has crossed him off their list forever. Why flirt with the, the dan- that danger? The only way this makes sense is if, and I knew they were going to go to this, Paul Ryan, Karl Rove, and the establishment machine over at Fox News want to use him as a pawn to weaken Trump. And again, why? Why would they want to do that? Because they hate Trump. That's They just hate Trump. And they love globalism. Paul Ryan is the biggest globalist you could ever shake a stick at. I, I promise you that. I I know a lot of... I, I could spend a half hour talking about Paul Ryan's associations and affiliations. Like with Tenio, a globalist PR firm. Please don't fall for it, Governor. You are the, you're the POTUS in 2028 with the full MAGA machine supporting you. Keep crushing it as our and this guy must be from Florida. He says our governor and help Trump win in 2024. You'll only grow your support that way. And of course, that's true. That's that's a no brainer. Not only that, but. We as Republicans and Trump supporters should never, ever allow the left or the rhinos or the globalists to dictate who our nominee should be. And with all the stuff that we we have seen, I almost said the S word, the SH word. If with all the stuff that we have seen, that I'm telling you, if you that that the the kind of attacks that went against Trump. It doesn't matter what Trump does at this point. It's not nearly as bad as the coups that Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and the rhinos waged against Trump over the last, since 2015. Right? 
And George Soros, by the way, according to uh, this Richard Poe guy, George Soros is a British, a British asset. So, you know, he might be from Hungary, but he, he, he's the one that overthrew the British currency there for a little bit. And he was banned in Britain, but yet they think he's a British asset. And it's kind of interesting. There might be a reason why he was banned in Britain to make it appear as though he's not an asset of Britain. Sort of like a double agent. Um, and remember that Christopher Steele and Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson wants depopulation. He's one of the biggest globalists. His father called for a drop from 75 million people to 15 million people in population. Um, that's his father. And, you know, he's as corrupt as can be, Boris Johnson. And he's a globalist. And he is a liberal. And uh, Christopher Steele, the guy with the dossier, same thing. These are these are very, very crooked, dirty, rotten scoundrels. That's what's going on there. All right. So um, we just read that about DeSantis. So let's go on. There's something interesting here. The Washington Post on the Nord Stream attack. Leaders see little benefit from digging too deeply and finding an uncomfortable answer. Of course, they don't want the answer. They don't want to know the truth. At gatherings of European and NATO policymakers, officials have settled into a rhythm, said one senior European diplomat. Don't talk about the Nord Stream. Leaders see little benefit from digging too deeply and finding an uncomfortable answer. The diplomat said echoing sentiments of several peers in other countries who said they would rather not have to deal with the possibility that Ukraine or allies were involved. Of course they were. And, you know, they were basically for profit. They were trying to slow down Russia's oil prowess. Um, so Chief Nerd writes this, White House reporter pushes KJP, John Pierre, for answers on why they don't get to ask Biden any questions. This is not the norm. The norm is we do get the opportunity to ask questions. Let's take a listen to this. And the lack of press conference that we see in general from this White House. I represent a news organization that owns 113 television stations and a question that I'm often asked and I don't know the answer to, so I'll ask you that question. Uh, is the administration trying to protect the president from our questions. Uh, please, I answer Absolutely that not. Absolutely so, not. So why is the lack of any interaction in a formal setting to have a press conference? Uh, I mean, the president takes shouted questions. I, I understand, John. I understand. I understand. I've shouted dealt with this question about three times already. I understand. It is, it is, it is uh, the job of you all to ask this question to me. Totally get that. And that's not a problem at all. Um, but s certainly... Uh, the president many times has has stand has stood in front of all of you has taken questions uh, on his own because he wanted uh, to see what was all on your minds he wanted to see what the questions you all were going to ask him and he wanted to answer them directly that has happened multiple times many times uh, during this administration and that will certainly continue uh, to be when it comes to a formal press conference i don't have anything to share it with you, you at this time just one last thing yeah just sure to button up you recognize that as it relates to prior administrations, uh, the president's predecessor, uh, President yeah. Obama, President George W. Bush, uh, I've been here long enough to have covered President Bill Clinton. This is not the norm. The norm is 
we do get an opportunity to ask the questions to the president about domestic and foreign policy issues in a formal setting at some point. Uh, and you choose that point, but we haven't had that opportunity in quite some time. So I'll say this, it is also unprecedented that a president takes as many shouted questions as this president has, and he no, has. No, 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 no. That's not Okay, well, we'll, we'll get, we'll, we'll certainly, we'll certainly get the data and share that with all of you. I hear, John, uh, I hear your question, get the I hear data. Zeke's question, I hear you. I hear you on the press conference, on a formal press conference. We get this probably every couple of months when you guys ask us about a formal press conference. I don't have anything to share with all of you at this time, uh, and uh, and I'll just I'll just leave it there. She'll just leave it there. Yeah, the reason why he gets more shouted questions because he never gives uh, any press conferences. Shouted questions are ridiculous. Uh, it's just a ridiculous excuse. So I have some headlines I want to get to, get to now. Um, Jim Jordan says this, FBI infiltrating Catholic parishes, agents engaging in outreach with Catholic clergy to inform on Americans practicing Christian faith. So they're going after Christians, folks. We now know the FBI relying on information derived from at least one undercover employee sought to use local religious organizations as new avenues for tripwire and source development, basically treating Christian churches as terrorist organizations, sort of like maybe uh, Muslims in mosques. But, you know, that was when, you know, every time a plane would blow up or a building would be set on fire or something, it was a Muslim that was doing it. Like, you know, not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists were Muslims at one point. Now, that seems to have died down, really, in large part, ever since Trump, because during the Obama regime, terrorism was was on the rise. ISIS cutting off heads of journalists, you know. And that was just basically to keep the journalists out, because the journalists were snooping around and... They were going to find out that ISIS was actually a partner of the United States guarding oil pipelines for key senators that were profiteering from oil being run into Europe and into Africa. And if journalists were to, you know, be over there, not getting their heads cut off, but literally able to do reporting, well, that would be a problem for people like Lindsey Graham and John McCain blowing the cover. So, of course, you just behead a couple of them you know, using a guy like Jihadi John, a guy from England, and uh, it all worked out for them. Yeah, that's what happened. Trump to return to New York City this week to be grilled by another AG, Letitia James. So President Trump will return to the New York City to this week for AG Letitia James' fraud case. Letitia James in September announced... Uh, a lawsuit against former President Donald Trump and his family, A.G. James, has been investigating whether the Trump Organization inflated values of some of its properties. This is the most bogus case. Letitia James said her office is seeking to make Trump pay $250 million, ban the Trumps from running New York businesses for good, ban Trump and Trump Organization from buying commercial real estate in New York for five years, uh, we're making a criminal referral to the U.S. Department of Justice with the help of 
uh, Donald Jr., Eric, Ivanka, and other defendants, Trump variously unlawfully uh, inflated and deflated his net worth by billions to obtain a, and satisfy loans, get insurance benefits, and pay lower taxes. In short, he lied to gain massive financial benefits for himself. That's what Letitia James said in September. We found that Trump, his family, and the Trump Organization used fraudulent and misleading. So basically, this this charge was so ridiculous on its face um, that uh, that you know every real estate company values sets the value of their properties, <clears throat> and they can cite hundreds of cases where others have valued their property in exactly the same fashion and for, uh, it's almost the way it's done uh it's a, a business practice that this the, the fact that this is being you know the target of an investigation is you know political uh election interference there's just no two ways about it so we also have a problem um where uh top economist Norio Rubini tells Liz Clayman on FBN, the worst is yet to come in the U.S. banking crisis. Um, I have a clip here. I'm going to play a little bit of it. Let's take a listen. Well, it tells me that not just for First Republic, but also for many other regional banks, their business model right now is severely challenged. They have a narrow deposit base. They have a large amount of uninsured deposits. And now people are realizing that they can earn, say, 4 or 5% on money market T-bills that are insured by the government when they get close to zero on their deposits. So that's the source of their fundamental problem. And therefore... That was the key part I wanted you to hear. It's a nine-minute clip. So, But that part right there is the problem. Right now, with the higher interest rates and uh, that are going on with the Fed... People are finding a more attractive place to hold their money in a very safe place with T-bills, treasury bills, U.S. treasury bills. And so then what's happening is people are saying, okay, I'm going to get my money and pull it out of a zero interest bearing account, practically zero is what the guy just said, maybe 1%, you know, pull it out of uh, banks. And so that's basically, in essence, a run on the banks. And there's about 35 banks that are in worse shape than Silicon Valley. That's where the big problem is is lying, uh, is that people have a better place to store their cash, and that is in essence creating a a lot of pressure on with bank withdrawals, and so then these banks that are over leveraged have to make good on that cash, and they have to sell off some of their bonds prematurely, taking a huge loss on these premature. Um, defaults on these bonds. All right, over to Dylan Mulvaney. Bud Light's Dylan Mulvaney controversy hits rural distributors as branding guru thinks consumers are confused. There were questions within the industry of why Anheuser-Busch would wade into the culture wars, and it's kind of an interesting thing. You know, it's it's this Wharton grad, uber-liberal lefty, that thought she knew best as a branding marketing expert, and she didn't know crap. And this is turning out to be a huge loss for them. Um, And here, 
Anheuser-Busch stock already dropping amid Dylan Mulvaney controversy. Wow. Okay, so the backlash uh, to Anheuser-Busch over a Bud Light promo featured trans activist Dylan Mulvaney. And again, I say this. Where did Dylan Mulvaney come from? When he had the interview, Dylan Mulvaney, she, he um, had the interview with Biden. He was transitioned as a girl uh, for 200, day, 200 days. So they groomed this person. They, they put him on a casting couch and cast him, groomed him. This is an actor. This is not a person that just woke up one day and said, I'm going to be mentally disturbed and I'm going to basically do something crazy and act like a girl all, for the rest of my life and then automatically be invited to the White House promoted as a superstar, and put on a can of Bud Light. That doesn't happen in one year. Trust me, I've been busting my butt on certain projects and certain work efforts for years, doing it the right way, and nobody ever gave me a can of, put my face on a can of Bud Light to promote my interests. But they're doing it for this trans weirdo. And tell you can't tell me that there isn't some coordinated effort with the government and with the corporations, and with the globalist agenda, and this attack on Christianity and normalcy as part of a free speech agenda to demand that you basically say that the sky is purple, up is down, left is right, and that the vaccines work, and that this dude is a girl. You have to say all of those things, or you're a racist, you're a hate speech person, and you will be deplatformed on your social media. You will have a social, lower social credit score, and they will tax you and fine you with your CBDCs, your central bank digital currencies. And that's how they're going to control everything. And this is all part of a project that they're just rolling out. But Anheuser Busch is losing their butts financially on this. And good for them. I'm glad that they're losing. Now, here's what's really in play. Let's take a listen to this. The Rockefellers funded the women's liberation movement, breaking up the family, increasing the tax base, and introducing, in, indoctrinating the children were all planned. This is Aaron Russo, a filmmaker and former politician. To his left is Nicholas Rockefeller of the infamous Rockefeller banking and business dynasty. After maintaining a close friendship with Nicholas Rockefeller, Aaron eventually ended the relationship appalled by what he had learned about the Rockefellers and their ambitions. He brought, we was at the house one night, and uh, we, were talking, we were talking, and he started laughing. He said, Aaron, what do you think women's liberation was about? And uh, I said, I, I had pretty conventional thinking about it at that point. And I said, I think it's about women having the right to work, getting equal pay with men, just like they won the right to vote, you know? And he started to laugh. He said, you're an idiot. And I said, why am I an idiot? He said, you want, let me tell you what that was about. We, the Rockefellers, funded that. We funded Women's Lib, you know? And we're the ones who got all of the newspapers and television, the Rockefeller Foundation. He says, and you want to know why? He said, there were two primary reasons. And they were, one reason was, we couldn't tax half the population. And the second reason was, now we get the kids in school at an early age. We can indoctrinate the kids how to think. It breaks up their family. The kids that look at the state as the family. You hear that? So the Rockefellers 
you know, said women's rights, right? And the glorious diamonds of the world, uh, you know, were basically... I remember getting laughed out of school. Uh, I was in a class. I was 18 years old. And I was in college. And I said, I could make an argument that women's lib caused hyperinflation. Because basically when you had this dual income, especially dual dinks, dual income, no children, um, it was basically where... Once uh, it used to be that the wife would stay at home and raise the kids and groom, you know, and basically the kids would grow up to be healthy adults. Well, then what would happen is the kids would, um, uh, if the mother went off, then they'd have to get a nanny um, or they would send the kids to school earlier and then the kids would get groomed by somebody else. So, you know, it was one of these things where as soon as the family started getting dual incomes, they started spending more on vacations, sofas. Beds, you know, furniture, cars, uh, better house, uh, better landscaping, lawnmowers, whatever. They would stimulate the economy because it's dual income. And that caused a demand and pressure uh, on supply. And it raised the inflation, you know, caused inflation. And that happened in the 70s. And that's part of it. Women's lib movement in the 60s and 70s. And, you know, then when you want to go back to a single parent home and have the mother raise the kids again, saying that didn't work out too well, you no longer have that choice. You can never go back again. And we are screwed as a society in that fashion. Uh, before we head out of Dodge, Cash Patel on Historic Department of Defense Intel Leagues. Biden regime has failed safeguard national security and take on our adversaries in failing to do both on a monstrositous level. Um, there, there's that. And then there's just in Biden signs House Republicans bill ending COVID National Emergency Act after nearly three years. It winds down the national emergency in May. So that's pretty good. GOP proposed bill ending COVID-19 and they got enough votes to where it was practically a veto buster. Um, also, with all this wokeness, a third state representative has changed parties. Jeremy Lacombe in Louisiana. It was North Carolina last time. Um, Louisiana state rep changed from Democrat to Republican. That's happening frequently now. And what we want to do also tomorrow is co- cover this records obtained from an investigation into the circumstances surrounding Mar-a-Lago raid. Further confirmed that FBI obtained access to these records through a special access request from the Biden White House on behalf of the DOJ, said there was collusion between the DOJ, FBI, and the Biden White House on the raid at Mar-a-Lago. That is a huge story. We're going to be covering that throughout the week. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to use check out magapac.org to find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Also, use Red State as your promo code over at MyPillow.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye, everybody. Grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.